Last week, um, uh, Joshua talked about hope and, uh, and regret. And one of the things he said about hope, something to this effect, is that, that hope isn't like wide-eyed, like pie-in-the-sky optimism. And, uh, and I, I, I want to sort of jump off that because I, I really like, I think that's important to, to point out and to talk about because it, sometimes, you know, we think of negativity as the big thing to run away from and, it, and it's, it's, you know, negativity is negative. <laughs> um, but there's also this sort of, uh, um, this weird kind of, it's sometimes called toxic positivity that can be out there uh, that can come in church circles like ours um, because of uh, this idea of hope that we have. So I want to just talk more about that topic of hope this morning. And I'm going to start with Jeremiah 29:11. Here's why. Many of you will get these on graduation cards next month. <laughs> this verse, for I know the plans, or excuse me, the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. That's the New King James Version. That's a beautiful verse, isn't it? God's doing something amazing in your life and he has plans for you. And so this is a, a thing that we can always grab a hold of. The story itself as to what is going on is, wow, there's just a lot more to that story. So I... Here's what's happening, just very briefly. This letter was written to a group of about 3,000 people whose home city had been attacked and they had been carried away as prisoners to the, the capital city of Babylon, the people who had attacked them. And we're going to destroy that city soon. So in other words, it's written, you guys, to a group of exiles, of like captive refugees. And so these 3,000 people from Jerusalem have had to, like, huddle in that city and wait. And they're praying that God will turn, around, turn the situation around. And they are hoping that God will turn the situation around. And there are people among them that say, thus saith the Lord, God is about to turn this situation around. There are, our, our armies in Jerusalem are about to rise up and defeat Nebuchadnezzar, and we can all go home. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And here's Jeremiah, who's been a prophet of the Lord for 30 years, and he hears about this. He's in Jerusalem, and he sends them a letter. So here's, here's the letter, okay? You have to back up before we get to verse 11. It starts in verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and dwell in them. It means in Babylon. Take wives and beget sons and daughters in Babylon. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters that you may increase there in Babylon and not be diminished. And seek the peace of the city of Babylon where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace, you will have peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets, he didn't say my prophets, your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you caused to be dreamed. Did you get that? They're prophesying to you exactly the thing you want to hear, that's all. You've become the constituents of these people. These prophets probably had big YouTube followings and massive Facebook pages. Thus saith the Lord, all the things you want to happen. Wow, so does God. That's what's going on here. Except for maybe not the YouTube. 
for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. You see that? These prophets were engaged in sort of a spiritualized toxic positivity. Everything's going to be great. God's going to do this thing. But no, Jeremiah says, God is not doing that. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Can you imagine people reading that letter? Their shoulders slump. They're doing math. 70 years. Are you kidding? This had begun ten, about 10 years earlier, so it's going to be 60 years. They're like, great, God, you're going to let us go home. I'm going to be dead. That's not exactly the hope that they were imagining. But it was a good thing he was giving them, wasn't it? He was saying, be at peace. He was saying, build homes. He was saying, plant gardens. Enjoy the fruit of your labors. Have a community. Have a home right there. Build your families right there. He's giving them a blessing. But it wasn't the specific thing that they were hoping for and praying for. Their hope was a fantasy, you guys. It was a fantasy. And I think that sometimes... Sometimes hope for us can be a bit of a fantasy too because we're looking at a specific situation and praying and pleading and proclaiming and making declarations that a certain thing is going to look a certain way. And sometimes I think God's going, you going to let me do this? This, uh, this week I did a little experiment um, on my Facebook pages, which is a lot of fun. Some of you guys jumped in on here. I asked people what thoughts are like sort of Visceral reactions, thoughts or feelings do you have when you hear the word hope? And so I just got the game because there was no right or wrong answers here. I just wanted to see what, what hit people. And so I got so many great answers between the two pages. I had, uh, uh, by far, most of them were very warm feelings, like flickers of light. There were lots of references to light, a lot of light metaphors um, and clouds and the sun. There were uh, uh, things like hope looks like tomorrow. There was talk of possibility and a cautious optimism. There was talk of joyful potential. Knowing there's a rest at the end of a hard journey. That's a good one, huh? Hope is the feeling of Friday. It's <laughs> good. Some of them were descriptions uh, that were a little bit more tenacious. You know, hope is grit. Hope is courage. A way through. A steely determination to carry on. I like this one. Hope is looking at despair in the face and saying, not yet. And then there was others that sounded like this. Hope is at times deeply painful. Hope is fear and doubt. Hope is a terrifying willingness to choose life. And then there was this one who... Apparently, this person is going through a very difficult time. They said they're going through the valley of the shadow of death. And for her, hope is a dark and treacherous tunnel with gnarly, vicious creatures on the sides trying to snatch you into their shadows. Yet there's a warm and gentle light beckoning at a far distance. The light is saying, keep your eyes on me. There is more to come. The story isn't over. Keep going. Whew. Can you guys relate to that? Anybody here? Because I'll tell you, that's the one that I can relate to. I'll be honest with you. That 
is what I can relate to. Hope for much of my life has been a very scary thing. I asked my son Jack this morning if, and last night if it was okay if I talked a little bit about him. He gave me the thumbs up. And you guys who have walked with us for years know a lot of our story and the fact that we wrote a book about our relationship and, and, uh, and, and our walk with autism. And uh, Jack was uh, three years old when he received his autism diagnosis. And up till then, his vocabulary had been expected or hidden in normal developmental markers. And then came this really big regression and he lost all of that. And all, the words just, just went away. And that was a really difficult thing. Like how do you reach out and connect and really know your child if words aren't used. So, so we went through all kinds of things, you know. We, we prayed a lot, and you guys prayed alongside us, right? Or all kinds of things. That, and then we would try different things, different diets, you know. You know, if you're on a gluten-free diet, then suddenly this happens in gut health and all these things. And, and so we'd get really hopeful in prayer, and this is, and then you'd see some forward movement, and then it's all gone. And so there were other things, okay, okay, what if it's not spoken words, but maybe like sign language, because obviously my wife, who's not here signing this morning, but is our ASL interpreter. So we're like, this would be great, we could teach them some sign language, and, that way, and we'd see some growth, we're like, this is the way it's going to be, yes! And then it goes away. And we would see new words break out, and new language, and, and all kinds of things, we'd get excited, and okay, okay, this is how it's going to, yeah, and then it goes away. We had a, a burst of texting a year or two ago. A lot of you remember that. And he was texting a whole bunch of, we were connecting, and there's like, this is amazing. This is how it's going to, but then, because it's very difficult. It's very difficult for him to be able to push through that because the language centers in his brain uh, uh, don't work the way they would work in, in lots of other people's minds. So, so he, he has a, a, a device that's around his neck that he carries with him because sometimes he does choose to communicate with us with his, with his device. And uh, uh, through all of this, the guy is such a rock star, by the way. This guy is such a rock star. He pushes through, you guys. He endures so much. He just had, a, he just had surge, oral surgery and got all four of his wisdom teeth removed. He was so tough. He just gritted that out. He's an absolute rock star. He comes in here, even though he's not able to communicate like I'm sure he would like to. He comes in here with his service dog, who's not a very good service dog because she's not very professional. <laughs> service dog is not supposed to run up to people and ask to be pet because the service dog is working. So if she does that to you, you can just say, Lily, be professional. That's what I always tell her. <laughs> be professional. I can't pet you right now. You're working. She comes in and helps him to, to stay calm, and he hangs out and pushes through all of this. But it's hard for him. It's hard for him. And I, I, I wonder if he's even experienced some of that too. If you see a good thing happening, and then suddenly it goes away. So for me, that's meant I have to really guard going all in on new possibilities and new developments. You know what I'm saying? And people are like, oh my goodness, that's so exciting, everything's changing. And they don't see me get really excited. And they're like, brother, I need to pray for an infusion of hope for you. And I'm like, okay, like I would love some more hope. And yeah, there is some fear in this. I admit there's some fear in this, totally. And that is a thing that I'm trying to learn to steward. But here's also what I've learned, you guys. I've learned that 
I think there's real wisdom in not going emotionally all in on everything that I envision or I can envision. Some situations, you know, hear me, okay? Hear me out. This might make some of you upset. Some situations are not worthy of your hope. Some situations. Now let me unpack that, okay? Let me unpack that. Sometimes, you guys, you're not going to get a good outcome like you've been desiring and crying out for. And putting all of your emotional energy on that thing changing. Sometimes a thing is broken. Sometimes a marriage is not getting back together. No matter how hard you work and no matter how much you cry out to God. Sometimes the person who's in the hospital and you've been begging God to heal. Sometimes that healing isn't going to come. Sometimes the disease is fatal. There are some things that no matter what we do, that situation is not going to be fixed, not in the way that we want. But even in that situation, God is able to bring beauty from it. In every situation. Sometimes he's going to let you go back to Jerusalem, but sometimes he's going to say, I have a different blessing for you in Babylon. In Romans 8, 28, Paul says this, the verse that we've all quoted many times, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. All things, even the broken things. He's about to enumerate them. Check this out. A few verses down, he says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulations or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Those are, those are bad things. <laughs> okay. Those are very bad things. Those are the unanswered prayers, you guys. See, God's not going to spare us from those things. Are you, are you seeing that? He's saying those things are going to be present. These are the things we cry out to God for, going, why, God, does this happen? I love you. I thought you were supposed to spare me from this. No, those things are going to happen. However, however, we have reason to keep believing, because look at this, in all things... We are more than conquerors. All these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, that means the things you're going through right now, nor things to come, that means the things you don't even know about that you're going to go through tomorrow, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see the promise? Nothing will separate us from the love of God, no matter what. There's, there's, there's nothing present nor to come. There's demons or death can, that can separate us from him. He goes with you, friends. He goes into all of these situations with you. That means you don't always get spared from those things, but he goes with you. This is why we can receive a blessing in every situation. This is why we can hold on because he goes with us. His love goes with us. In Psalm 71, the psalmist says this, and you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Never let me be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Verse five says, for you, O Lord, are my hope. You guys remember the third day song that went along with this? Some of you guys remember this. 
I'll never forget, because 22 years ago, long before we settled down here, we visited here for the summer with Jeff Starr, and we were staying up on Nissa Street, and I had my, my disc man, that's, that's a really big, clunky MP3 player. Uh, actually, MP3 players probably, it's an oh, iPhone that didn't have a, anyway, you could carry, and, and it was the third day uh, album, and I would, I would listen to this, and I would walk up and down the streets here of Junction City thinking, I could live here someday, it's really a true story, and this song would come on, right? You hear Mac Powell doing his best Eddie Vedder impression. Do you, oh, oh God. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> That's the way everybody sang in the 90s. But he would sing this. And I remember the, the chorus. I'd be like, oh, I love the chorus. My hope is in you. And I'd be like, yeah. And then I realized I was hearing, I was singing the lyrics wrong. It wasn't my hope is in you. It sounded like that because he had this extra little thing in a syllable. But it wasn't my hope is in you. It was my hope is you. I had been singing it wrong. Some of you have been singing it wrong, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's plenty of expressions. This is our hope is in God. But we must also bring this expression. He is our hope. You see that? Hope is a person. My hope is you. And that, that changed a lot of stuff. That changes a lot of stuff. You guys, you guys remember Moses at the burning bush? One of my favorite stories. Remember this? When God says, hey, Moses... I'm going to take you to go rescue Israel from Pharaoh. And he's like, but, 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 how? I'm really, like, I just need all these reasons. Who am I to do this? And God just, like, blinks and does this and goes, Moses, I'm going with you. That was his answer. I will certainly be with you. Yeah, but I'm very small. Moses, you're not getting this. I am going with you. And Moses has all these, like, contingencies. Well, what if they don't listen? Okay. Look, look. I, throw, your, throw your stick down. And it suddenly becomes a snake. Ah! He's like, now pick it up. Oh. Yeah, see, I am going with you. Are you getting this? Okay, I don't know if that's, okay, Moses, put your hand in your, in your, in your cloak and then pull it out. Ah! It's like disease. Yeah, yeah, okay, now put it back. Oh, it's whole. See, I'm going with you. Do you. Are you getting this? I am with you. Okay, but I can't speak. Okay, I'll get your brother to go with you. Moses, I am with, and all throughout the scriptures, we see that come up over and over and over again. The message and the promise of God's presence, I am with you, over and over again throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. When you go through the waters, I will be there. When you, you go through the flame, I will be with you. Even, even Jesus himself was, just, well, what's Emmanuel mean? God with us. I will never leave you or forsake you. It's the promise of God's presence that changes everything. Hope is a person and hope is with you. Hope is a person and hope is with you. You have the freedom, friends. You have the freedom to trust that God will work things out in his own way even if it's not the way you were desiring. You have the freedom to trust because hope walks with you. You have the freedom to believe he's going to bring something beautiful to you, even in the midst of all the really hard things that are going on. Because he walks with you. My hope is you. And one day, friends, one day, because we walk with hope in himself, we will see all things made new. Even the most broken things 
we will see an entirely new creation. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. He's with us until that day, but there's going to be a day when his presence is going to be so thick, when we are living in his house, that all of the things that tear us up inside will end. I've often wondered about what new creation will look like in our different circumstances. We talk about seeing loved ones who lost and things like that, and that's a wholly good thing to look forward to. But I was thinking about our situation with our family, with my son, what that might look like. And I don't know if he'll be using words like we do. I don't know if we'll be using words like we do now. Maybe it's all going to be thoughts. I don't know. But here's one thing I fully believe. Everything that is in the way of communication will be gone. Every barrier that's there will be gone. And I think about that, you guys. And I just, I can't wait for that. Everything that he's been dying to say, everything that has annoyed him like crazy about me, and he'll say, Dad, when you do that thing, it drives me mad. Can you please stop it? And then we can share a good laugh about it. To say all of the things that he's desired to say to his brothers and his sisters, all the things they have been wanting to talk about will, will just be suddenly there and available. One, th one day, all will be made new. And I know some don't like it when you start deferring some things to the next life. I get it, but you know what? You guys, we are believers in Jesus Christ who is eternal. And the kingdom of God has come to us, but the kingdom is not going to be fully realized until that day. So it is right and good and appropriate to dream about that day and to look forward to that day just like the early church did. Jesus Christ is coming back and he's going to make all things new. And until that day, even if we have to stay in Babylon for a while, he's going to give us good gifts today, too. He's not leaving us, guys. He's not leaving us. A few weeks ago, I had a few hours to kill in Eugene. Not a few hours, an hour and a half to kill in Eugene. And Jack was with me. And uh, trying to figure out, what do we do for the next hour and a half? Because I had an appointment. And uh, so we're like, okay, not enough time for a movie, didn't seem to really want to go for a walk. So suddenly it occurred to me, we're at Best Buy over at Gateway, and it suddenly occurred to me, you know, we're really close to Buffalo Wild Wings. And I love to go to Buffalo Wild Wings with my friends to watch a good basketball game. Oh, it's one of my favorite things to do. It's a very, like, guy thing. And I'm looking at my son, 
He's, he's got this beard that's coming. You know, he's 17 and he's as tall as I am now. So tall. And it just occurs to me, I'm going to go, I'm going to take him to Buffalo Wild Wings. I've never done that before. That would always be McDonald's or something like that. No, we need to go to Wild Wings and it's going to be more expensive. But you know what? We need to do this right now. Sort of a rite of passage kind of thing, you know? So we're like, let's go. And so I was so excited. So we went and we sat down and it's a Friday afternoon, right? So like it's really dead in there. And it was probably good because it might have just driven crazy if, you know, people were as loud as we were when we watched games. Um, at least as, as loud as Aaron Oaks, because that guy just blows the lid off the place. But we, uh, we, <laughs> we were, <laughs> we're sitting there together, and, uh, and he's, he had his big blue headphones on, and he was listening to Disney music. And he, he brought his picture that he carries with him and, and was excited just looking at that and flapping his hands in front of the picture. And I'm sitting there, and we're sharing French fries, and we have our drinks, and, 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 and I'm just sitting, and I kept wanting to, like, to have him take his headphones off so I could tell him how excited I was to be with him and see if he had anything to say. Do you like this? Isn't this fun? Like, this is so, this is cool. Like, isn't this great? We can be together and tell him how excited I was and, and all these things. And then it occurred to me, like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Like, that might frustrate him right now. And it's okay. He knows. And I just got the sense that he knows, you know? Because he's a smart dude. And he knew what that meant. So we sat in silence for an hour. We just sat at our table and ate French fries. And he listened to his music. And I just sat with him. And I watched Sports Center, even though it was quiet. It was, it was no sound. <laughs> and I thought about how apropos that was. There was no volume. There were no words. But I was okay with that, you know? And most of my life, I haven't been okay with that. Most of my life with him, I haven't been okay with that. But I think I'm more okay with that now. You know why? Because I got something better. Presence. Just being together is a gift. Is it everything I want? No. But just being together is a gift. Babylon has nice summers. There are good things that we can have even in these places of pain and further desire. So I don't have to push all my chips in and I don't have to scream out to God and labor in prayer day after day. Otherwise, I miss the presence. I miss Him. And this has happened so many times in my life as I've written about our relationship and talked about it. And all these things that happened so many times, I suddenly got a glimpse of my relationship with Him. You see, because if he's with us, it's his presence that is the greatest gift. Even more than words spoken or writing, which I love more than anything, even, even better than that, is presence. He walks with you. Even in the place of unfulfilled desire, even in the place of agony, even in the place of fear, he sits with you. His presence is everything. Hope eats french fries with you. I don't know about you guys, but that's a pretty big deal to me. It's not worth it to go all in on every situation. 
but it's worth it to go all in with hope because he's with us through it all. Just close your eyes for a moment. I just want to pray over us. I want you to think of that situation that's swirling around you and that thing that you're just not sure about, that massive question mark that you want to go all in and just believe that somehow it's all going to turn out in a certain way. And just get that picture in your mind, whatever that is. I've had the picture of a boat, being in, in a boat, and a, the waves are coming and the storm's coming, and it's just pounding, right? It's like the disciples in the boat, and it's pounding, and you think you're going to sink, and then you turn and you remember who's in the boat with you. Jesus is in the boat with you. all those places of pain and fear, he's in the boat with you. Lord, I pray that you would give each and every one here a picture, an understanding of your presence. And I pray that you would give us all new confidence in your character and your affection for us as a father. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to release. You would help us to open our hands and let go of the false things that we're holding on to the hope that's based on situations and not based on your character and your person. I pray that we would know your whispers, Jesus. We would know your whispers. Maybe we haven't been super comfortable in the silence, but isn't it kind of nice to sit in the silence with our Father? I started to really enjoy that. 
He hears, friends. He sees. He has not gone away from you. He has not forgotten you. And in all things, your Father goes with you. Through all things, he goes with you. And that's why we can have hope. I want to invite you guys, if you need prayer this morning, the elders and prayer team, everyone, home group leaders, come on up. We'd love to pray with you. If you need a new influx of, of that, this would be a good time. This would be a good time for you. But I want to tell you guys what an honor it is to walk through hard things with you. It's an honor. You don't walk alone. Amen? Isn't that good news? You don't walk alone. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to walk alone. Amen. Be blessed this week.